Hey everyone, before we get into the show, guess what we're going to do? We're going to talk about the magic of patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. That's the place to go to join Hot Dog Club and unlock an ocean of exclusive content. This week I'm taping a movie club all about the classic 9 to 5 with Karen from Finance and Jake Shears. I just wrapped uh, listener questions with Goss Charlotte. Lots more to come, including a Tootsie movie club with Tammy Brown. And of course, the entire archive is available as soon as you sign up. There's bonus episodes, listener questions episodes, movie club episodes, and of course the movie club tier gets you access to all of the episodes, as well as higher tiers, one of which includes a Zoom hot dog club meetup every Monday. All the way up to the executive producer tier, which is the title held by Miss Lindsay Rose, the people's candidate. So head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends, see which reward tier works best for you, sign up, and of course do what? That's right, slide on into the Thunderbuns of Hot Dog Club. Now, a note about this episode. This was taped immediately after the Casey Spooner episode from July 2019. Yes, that's right. This is one of the many shows from last year that just never made it out. Oh yeah, and please remember to rate and review on iTunes. It's apparently a very important thing that I oftentimes forget to ask. So this episode doesn't have a proper intro because Mike just started telling a story about applying makeup in a very delicate area for Amanda Lepore. A Russian ballerina stopping on a bureaucrat A perky suburban housewife who just got into scat It's whimsically volatile. And I had to do her makeup once, and I remember I had to do makeup like on her vagina, and I had to go in. I went into Pat Fields on 8th Street, and I was like, Amanda, I need to talk to you. And she's like, what, Alex? Do you have any pubic hair? And so she, like, lifted her skirt up in the store, no underwear, like a short skirt. <laughs> she's like, is this okay? And it was like a little bit. I was like, you got to get rid of it. But I was like, okay. <laughs> and, they were all, and all the people were, like, smoking behind their register. Yeah. And, you know, it was a good time. People were just, like, shoplifting. <laughs> I used to love that store. It was a good place to go. For the listeners not familiar with the Pat Fields store, describe it a little bit. And what would the counter staff were like? Well, Pat Fields store was like a two-floor emporium. Pat Field, obviously, is a legendary costume designer. Sex in the City. Um, God, I can't... She's done so many movies. And um, TV shows. She does a TV show called Younger right now that my uh-huh. friend Miriam Shore is on. Oh, Miriam, yeah. yeah. And um, she does the best Pat Field impression. But um, Pat's like always like smoking, and she lived above the store. But um, it was just like a lot of drag queens worked there, and they sold like sexy underwear and like you know pvc and perfidia had um who's a uh, drag queen had a wig salon there and there was a woman there that named dana that lives in florida now who um did extensions and there was a makeup counter that amanda lapore used to work at Mm -hmm. and lauren pine a famous like kind of downtown dominatrix looking beautiful became a nurse later um worked there um god the people that worked there over the years i mean jojo used to do visuals for the window and um and jojo is jojo americo he was in the ones with paul alexander and nisham wooden mona foot mm-hmm. legendary new york like nightlife icon still djs we used to work at a party together at the cock years ago what was the party used- called uh i did a party i used to do a party on thursdays not at the cock it was called hustler and it was at a bar called cake which later became manitoba's yeah. mistress for michael was my boss and the alternating djs were scotty walt and jojo americo and um i think scott's still my dj at the cock but i used to do coat check at the cock for mm-hmm. years on thursday nights and i used to make a ton of money like we used to because people would basically check their entire outfits you know <laughs> like a deli bag and put a number on it yeah. but um 
And it was always like drunks and druggies like leaving their crap behind and like drugs falling out and go-go dancers <laughs> like getting f- me, f- not not me, but fluffing themselves like in this room that was literally like a broom closet yeah. that we converted into a coat check. But um, yeah. So there's a lot of activity happening in the coat check. Oh, uh, yeah. A lot of co- activity happening in the coat check. It's where people go to like hide, do drugs, um steal from the coats which i never did but other people did you know well, there'd like, be enough stuff falling out that we'll maybe you'd the collect, yeah. i mean i feel like it's you know if you're gonna give your coat to someone even if you give them a dollar it's like you're taking your chances i mean it's yeah. new york city but um yeah I, I always just hand my shit over to the coat check people and trust that they're not going to steal my stuff right have you ever had something stolen from your coat um, no, but I have found so many amazing things in nightclubs that people have left behind, like a Yoshi Yamamoto sweater. And wow. one little trick to make money at the end of the night, if you stay out that late, is at the base of the bar, Yeah, there's always like money, like cash, like laying around. Like you always find like at Don Hills, when I used to work at Don Hills, always find a $20 bill or a $10 bill. It's like at the base of the bar because it was kind of covered and you couldn't sure. see. People just drop their money. And uh, yeah. And it's dark and people are a little smashed. Yeah, they don't drunk. Know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the go-go, I used to go-go dance there and go, you know, your money would fall out and stuff like that. Now, are you originally from New York? No, I'm from the East Coast, um, d- uh, small town called Seaford, Delaware. Uh-huh. Very 5,000 people. Um, my whole family's like South, like Mississippi, North Carolina. Uh-huh. Um, my parents live in North Carolina now. Um, family's mainly from the south but um yeah we were like the northern branch of my sort of southern family okay so yeah. we would always go in the summers to mississippi and like my aunt my grandmother had a twin sister dorothy and dot and we would go down there in the in the summertime and um so i kind of spent a lot of time in the south mm-hmm. and i'm definitely like if i talk to my family like i turn into like instantly like my voice changes and i become <laughs> like country you know it's more redneck than like genteel oh okay but, um, sure you, know, so you can become it's, country mike it's not savannah it's more like like um redneck i guess oh you know? sure okay it's not yeah, like yeah. A fancy... what y'all like are doing over there so su- a suspicious hey how y'all like... doing what's up hey what's going on hey uh, uh-huh. over yonder people were like when i was a kid we used to go to mississippi and people would be like where are you from and i'd say delaware and they would be like what state is that in like they didn't even know like <laughs> delaware doesn't really exist <laughs> i mean it's like it's the first state and it's bigger than rhode island yet it doesn't really seem to exist and joe biden is from delaware so how did you like delaware growing up I mean, I still have a lot of friends there. I go there occasionally. Um, you know, it was like a small town, but luckily I kind of rise wherever I go. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Like, I mean, I definitely got like the bullying thing or whatever. I mean, like, I feel like everyone does, but, um, you know, I've always been a bit of a freak, but, um, I kind of just hung out with all my friends who were like goths and, yeah. and like, you know, skaters and stuff like and surfers and kind of like the kind of counter community. You know, I mean, I knew I wanted to get out. Like, and when I went to college, I went to university for four years and studied um, agricultural economics for four years. And, you know, a fine arts minor. I mean, I uh-huh. painted and I was an artist as a kid. When did you, when did you start doing that? When did you start oh, doing like arts? Seven or eight or nine sure. years old. And I was painting like oil when I was like 10 or 11. Yeah. I mean, portraits. I still paint. I have a studio, actually. I paint. They're huge. But, um, you know, my mom just saw that early and um, yeah. wanted me. But yeah, Delaware was just like, you know, I mean, I love it there, but I wouldn't want to live there. You know, sure. and we live near Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, which mm-hmm. is super gay. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So we, I got exposed to that more than like a person that lived in the country would. You know, I mean, sure. I'd never seen a drag queen or a transsexual in my life other than this one kind of crazy 
person in my town who would like wander around the parking lot of the shopping center. It was a man, but he would dress as a woman, and mm-hmm. we were always like scared of him, you know, because he's. I don't know if he was homeless or hooking or who knows. <laughs> I love this big goblet of water. <laughs> it adds something to the proceedings, doesn't it? Vodka. <laughs> no, I don't actually. There's a little bit of vodka in the freezer. Uh-uh, no. Want a beer? No. No. Okay. You like to keep drinking to the uh, nighttime hours? Um, I don't drink a lot anymore. I mean, I do. Like on the weekends, I'll go go to brunch, and if ever I go to have dinner by my house, I don't really cook that much. I always have a drink, but. Like going out, like I don't go out. Like yeah. I didn't go out to after party at Julius after John's show. Yeah, I mean the place is so tiny. But um, and John's show, just for those, I'm sure those listening know because of the photos and all the stuff I've posted. Uh, but the Origin of Love show is a town hall last yep, week. Yep, yep, yep. Which is like an extension of this sort of tour that he's been doing all over the world. Um, and he's did it in Australia and Korea and went to Mexico City. Yeah. Um. I assume Japan's coming up West Coast, you know, beginning of next year. It's been fun. I didn't think I was going to do that tour, to be honest. Oh, really? Well, I designed the wigs. I've always done them for John. Yeah. I mean, I'm always like surprised like he doesn't just get some different person to do them. Like even when they did surprised, Broadway, you'd be, why would you be surprised? Because surp- you have a very signature. I mean, it's a very signature. I know, but look. like you know, I've, it's only like in the last few years that I've realized that you really need to keep that sort of like iconic look to for it to be Hedwig and I find that people are disappointed if it's not like recognizably Hedwig um but you know I mean like with the movie I didn't I wasn't supposed to do the movie oh really yeah but then John fought for me and then when I got to Canada they were like um you're just gonna oversee everyone and you know you and i was like no i'm doing john's wigs and makeup by myself and i didn't get an assistant like stupid stupid (laughs) i had to do it all by myself and like you know i'd never done a movie didn't know what continuity was i totally you know luckily it's supposed to be bad hair and makeup (laughs) but you know she's still pretty but um well she's extremely pretty i gotta say uh, how much i admire your work by the way oh thank you yeah I've been doing that same face for so many years, and it's so funny because John doesn't really age that much. Mm-hmm. He's like not aged in the last twenty years very much, but um, it's still hard that makeup. It's like not easy, and it's funny. So when I when someone was doing it in Australia and Korea, they hired people locals, and you know I made a wig that was kind of you couldn't n- not make it the shape that it was. Yeah. Like, I had built in like things inside the wing. So yeah. you can't, cause so many people get their own version and they'll destroy a wig. So I kind of designed this wig that was able to tour, but um, he asked me to do the makeup for DC and then he just kept asking and he kept asking every gig after that. Yeah. And, you know, and we have fun. I mean, John and I have been doing that for 20 something years. So, I mean, but yeah, now I was, I'm always surprised when they bring me back, even for Broadway. I didn't think that, you know, I mean, I knew that if they used my design, they'd pay me, mm-hmm. but I didn't think they'd actually hire me to do it. Well, let's break down the lips alone, because I remember seeing a little thing about how the lip look was achieved. Yeah. And I think the complexity of that is a really good illustration of why the look is so signature to you. Well, it's so funny because someone the other day on Instagram posted like the recipe for the lips like that i had said before and i was like i don't remember that and that's definitely not what they are now because the product that we used to use yeah is not not even on the market anymore and i'm pretty sure it was illegal it was like (laughs) it was one of those like some lady made it at home and put it in bottles and sold it like at like um trash and vaudeville and a couple couple places on uh, st mark's place and it was called cookie puss and it was like a liquid (laughs) sparkle and i'm pretty sure it was like like acrylic like polymers and, and things that you shouldn't lead. be putting yeah. on your skin but um 
those lips have to be maintained or they're supposed to fall off. Like, that's the beauty of Hedwig on Broadway was the makeup just melted off the face. And I wanted it to do that. Like, I wanted for the breakdown to her to be, as long as she looks good in the first five minutes, uh-huh. I'm good. If she, everything, <laughs> if the wig flies off, although, like, the only two times I ever ran out of the Belasco, like, horrified were when oh, it was a wig mishap on stage. Really? What was that? Neil... I think his wig flew off, but then it like, they were all magnetized. The wigs are all attached with magnets because oh, they wow. had to be quick change. Like Michael Mayer, oh, the director okay. was like, I want a 20 second wig change. And I talked to this wig people like, that's really hard. And then there, I, then Michael was like, I want a seven second wig change. And then I was like, <laughs> okay. And then he's like, I want a one second wig change. And there literally is like, it's like three second wig change. Wow. And it's all done with magnets. Yeah. But, um, so the magnets are then, uh, what pinned to the hair? They're sewn into the wigs and there's little yarmulke bases that like this full wig oh, is okay. attached to the click. But I ran out once because Tadig's, put the wig on and it magnetized because once they're on they're on sideways yeah. and it was like real short on one side and long on the other it looked yeah. crazy and i remember him looking in the mirror and being like are we allowed to curse on this oh yeah, yeah. freely and um, he looked in the mirror because they have the moment where hedwig looks in the mirror after she comes down and she's midwest and he had the midwest wig on it was like the it's like a mullet so it was like yeah. short on one side <laughs> and he looked in the mirror and he's like i'm not even gonna fuck with that and he put the mirror down and continued with the wig on sideways because what are you gonna do but um when you say once it's on it's on how do you take them off well and they on have then? to be peeled off but like i mean the actor can just pop them off but there's no way of them getting them righted again it's kind of an oh, issue like they I have see. to be kind of like or they'll rip the other wig off i see it was okay. a whole thing we had to test and it took a million tries and i actually just answered an email with the guy today from boston who's doing a local community production john cameron mitchell gave him my email and he sent me the longest email about how to attach the wigs and i'm like girl good luck (laughs) i'm like duct tape glue like you know just like the improv bits in the show that are you know the the thing is like just make it your own right with the local references do your own thing with the wigs well it's it's hard though and like and i we we spent like I remember we teched those wigs for like a week. It was like, you don't just get like that quick answer. You know what I mean? Like, you have to like do it. And I mean, I get it. Like, I just, I'm like, keep it simple. I was just like, keep it simple. You know, Bobby pins, you know, he, I think he was trying to like think of it too much, but it was just funny because I was like, the, the wigs, that, that's a hard thing. I mean, especially, I remember Michael C. Hall said um it's like performing underneath a haystack with a haystack on your head (laughs) yeah Yeah. and arriving at the original wig look must have taken a little bit of um i mean trial and error it's been years i mean it took many many years i mean the first wigs were made with dryer big huge dryer tubes wrapped in hair and you, there's pictures of them. They're crazy looking. <laughs> and then we went back down to like a more natural, like feathered Farah over the years, which is why I think people think of that Farah reference because yeah. it's not really Farah Fawcett. I mean, that wig is to me is more like it's more like George Washington or like Mother Goose, <laughs> but um, <laughs> which is Eric Berger and the costume designer when I did that gray wig for John's new origin of love. Tony. Oh, He's yeah. like, it looks really Mother of Goose. And I'm like, I don't want to hear that. But um, <laughs> it is. It's like um, Barbara Stanwyck in oh, Big yeah. Valley or something. Sure. But um, yeah, it took a, it was a lot of years. And um, but I think once we did the movie, that's became the icon. You yeah, know what I mean? certainly. It's like any film work is, you know, it's sort of cements it in history makes yeah. it like a, it's a, you know Hedwig is definitely like a cultural marker 
So then that became the wig. And you know, it's funny because every time someone tells me they're, oh, I want to redesign Hadwig, I'm like, you better not do it. People are going to get really mad. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like redesigning, like, oh, it's your, it's like redesigning, like, Rocky Horror. Like, <laughs> don't do is. that. No. Like, sorry, it's supposed to be, like, bad. And yeah, like, we're going to have Frank in a pantsuit, this version. It's oh, going to be totally God. different. And then Riff Raff is going to be wearing uh, athletic gear. Yeah. I actually thought they did a good, that Riff Raff guy was pretty good um, on the TV version. What was Oh, his? yeah, yeah. I know. I don't He's know his cute. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, cute like skinny you know i like that tim curry played the narrator i know i love tim curry me too i, I love mean, his records too yeah so tim, he, are he's so good. just like always been such a cool like over the years mm-hmm. like playing like those weird parts you have a little tim curry thing about you oh well, thank you. you ever heard that before i have heard that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and i always enjoy hearing eyes it. Yeah. yes thank you yeah. he's, and he's one of my favorite singers and uh favorite people in media really is um tim's doing well is i he think well? he's doing okay um yeah. he the stroke was a few years ago, but I think he's uh, doing okay. I think he has limited mobility. Yeah, but he's you know getting along. I'm sure he has helpers. My friend in L.A. used to um, go to his house and hang out with him a mm-hmm. bit, like you know a few years ago, and it was before the stroke. But um, yeah, oh, good old Tim Curry. Did you ever meet Tim Curry? I have never met Tim Curry. I would die if I did. So Rocky Horror, I, I'm imagining, is a favorite of yours. Yeah, I mean it is. I mean, I, it's funny. Every time I watch it, I watch it like every few years. I always for, kind of forget what happens. <laughs> right, like, I right. have like very bad short term memory, and um, but um, you have I, a different memory. I'm sure there's certain things that you have. I yeah, always think yeah. about that with people's memories. I do have. I have like a good memory for certain things, but like I kind of think I let myself do that with movies and stuff. Like I'll watch. I've watched Norman. I've not Sunset Boulevard like a hundred times and like yeah. the Goonies like a hundred times and Nashville a hundred times sure. and um Julieta the Spirits by Fellini a hundred times and I always forget what happens at the end and I'm always like oh like I'm so excited when I find out what happens and I'm like I've seen this movie so many times I mean I do know what happens in the end of Sunset Boulevard but oh it's God. the beginning is the end <laughs> it's like the suspension of disbelief thing though because yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's part of the joy of watching the movie yeah i'm never going to be one of those people that memorizes every line oh yeah a movie it recites it you ever been around someone who recites dialogue from a movie yeah, while you're watching and it? i've watched people sit in the audience of hedwig and like lick lip lip every single word of like the dialogue not the songs sure songs i get like songs stick but um yeah yeah, because there is a quite a devoted uh, band of headheads, right, who have seen well, the show extremely upwards of how many times? Hundreds I mean, of times? I think um, Janet, no, not Janet, um, Donna, I think she saw it like 390 times on Jane Street. Wow. 250 times. I think they put a plaque on her chair like, oh, okay. that said her name. Yeah. There was a lady, Mary, or J- uh, Janet and Mary, and Janet yeah. Hull is a h- hardcore old school headhead, and she came backstage. I think she might have been the night you were there, shaved head. David Bowie, Hedwig tattoos. Okay. Very cool lady. Um, I she saw it many, many, many times. But a lot of these people, it's like a separate, like the Jane Street people, because there was so many years between. And then we get like on Broadway, and we get all these like really young, young fans, like right. sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. I mean, the summertime when school was out, there were like high school kids like waiting at the at the um, you know, the ticket raffle or like what is it called when they you know? Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, the ticket yeah, window or the whatever, lottery. The, uh, no, the lottery. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there were like kids like out all the time. And I mean, I met um, I was coming back, flying back from Chicago. And I met this kid, 17-year-old guy, I think he's straight even, was like, are you involved with Hedwig? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I, I love Hedwig. My mom saw, I'm 17, my mom listened to it when I was a kid, she saw it on Jane Street. So anyway, he ended up coming to the show the other yeah. night with his mom, who That's like great. gave birth to him to Hedwig. And um, <laughs> he's 17, and um, 
I love that. I love that young people love it. It makes it means she has a future. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, when you still when you just get the old hags showing up still, which is great. But like, I want like I want young people still relating to it. You know what I mean? Well, I think they will forever because it's a uh, it's a timeless piece. Well, it's funny because you know you watch even like Rocky Horror, you're like cringing at some of the stuff in today's politics. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And like, it's always going to get that kind of that shit. And like, there's a lot of movies like especially like nineties sort of romance movies that are just like oh god the movie would never get made today sure it's just offensive but um it's weird because there's like very little in hedwig that that's not like that's not sort of relevant and that is offensive there's nothing really offensive the new blu-ray is amazing i can't wait to see it i haven't gotten the package yet. it's so good i should have brought you one i have a time that'd be lovely yeah Yeah, but i didn't Um, (laughs) no wait did you get the blu-ray no, not yet. Uh, no. Yeah, if you don't it, order the Blu-ray because it has like, an to. amazing art book in it, yeah. like with just beautiful photographs. I didn't want it to turn up while I was out of town. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But I was surprised that I don't know if they're going to change that. But the DVD does not have the book. I mean, it's in the extras, like on the thing. But like in the Blu-ray, you actually open it and like there's like a book. And you know, I was really surprised that people still even buy dvds anymore mm, right. but i mean i love the packaging still yeah you know, i gave up my vinyl years ago but really um, wow yeah i got rid of it i i kept like 20 records but um did you digitize stuff or no god everything's online i mean you know i kept like i kept a copy of daydream nation by thirst because thurston Moore gave it to me in his basement okay and it was like original blast first like press with the drill hole in oh it, you sure know, from the label sonic youth for those that sonic youth yeah. yeah 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 who i used to i used to work with a bit and um what else did i keep it was like the history of classical music on vinyl yeah like it was like 12 lps uh-huh. and then i think like the muppets soundtrack i kept like the show soundtrack or the movie the movie rainbow connection yeah yeah um jake shears just did rainbow connection at pride who did jake shears closed his pride set with rainbow connection in times square i saw that outfit amazing wasn't that great yeah of course michael schmidt yeah made that incredible michael uh, schmidt who come help me thank god he came to the show and we did this rainbow halo this i bought a neon rainbow for john and the first night it was a flop it was just like so i my Michael was at the show, <laughs> and I've known Michael. Michael was like the first person to ever hire me in New York. When really? I worked, yeah, I used to work. Other than I was working in the clubs, and then I was also a gardener for Julie Andrews and Blake Edwards. And let's but, get um, into that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, at the same time, I was Julie's gardener. I was a go-go dancer for Michael Schmidt. Yeah, he came to the show and he was enjoying his lovely evening. And I was like, Michael, can you come into the dressing room? I want to show you something. So he came the next day after his Jake Shears fitting, made a whole like amazing like headband, yeah. like drilled it and did it properly and made it. So, and it was perfect after that. So you mm-hmm. need like a pro for some things. But then John was like, my headband was designed by the man who invented the time's up button michael schmidt i was like michael came michael was my work <laughs> michael was my worker michael i was so like thankful i mean he just did like a lot of the stuff for madonna's new like gun shootout in the gay club oh, yeah video. yeah god control yeah, yeah. yeah michael's super genius and he's an old friend i love him like i don't know if you've ever seen his stuff like at the ace hotel he does these like yeah curtains i mean and he we actually to- did an episode with him it's yet to come out oh uh, yeah yeah. The, yeah Devin green co-hosting oh, i love her she's amazing oh, god yeah. stretch it out like prom night remember that <laughs> welcome to my home of course and then she's like she's doing exercises and she's like 
And then she's like, stretch it out. Like prom night, I still use that term all the time. You know, those were stricken from the internet due to a cease and desist order by Barbara Dixon, the uh, Janet, original woman. Janice, no, Janice. No, no, Barbara Dixon's the woman who did. No, it's who, not Barbara. No, it's not Janice Dickinson. No, it's not Janice Dickinson, but it's not Barbara. Are you sure? Okay, we'll look it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. It's something Dixon. Brenda Dixon. Brenda, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, Brenda um, Dixon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I. Fuck her, man. Wasn't she in jail or something? She's just blonde hair She's now. Shady. She's very she's she's shady nightmare. as hell. Yeah, she should be thankful. That she has been given the attention she's been given by Devin. Those are the most genius thing. I mean, I still like, I'm like friends through friends and I kind of cyber stalked Devin Green and squeaked into her Facebook friends. But, um, oh my God, she's genius. Do you ever come to LA? Yeah, I come to LA. I haven't been there in a while. Well, when you come to LA, we should go to dinner with Devin because she does those little ukulele shows. Oh yeah, I, I play with her at. Uh, oh really? Yeah. At oh Akbar. my god. Yeah, See, yeah. I don't know anything. Akbar, well, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, th- uh, that'll be fun. We'll do that and uh, some other stuff, and then we'll maybe do a tape something together. Yeah, good stuff. She's well, she's—I know she's a fan of your work. So, um, yeah. So Michael Schmidt. I mean, he used to, he made the most beautiful. He would make curtains. I mean, clothes. Yeah. You know, you name it. Michael's- any fabric, any material. Like uh, the chain. The share story is great because. Uh, Cher called him when she saw his chainmail outfit, yeah. right? Well, I mean, that was his thing, you know, like chainmail was like, I mean, he gave me a chainmail dress in the 90s because I performed at Squeezebox and I had nothing to wear. And it was like New Queen's Night and like they had dressed me up because I had gone out once or twice. And um, yeah, and Michael, I was like, he's like, he gave me a chainmail dress and he told me I could keep it and I kept it. I don't know, ever know what happened to it. But um, yeah, I, I did like my New Queen's Night wearing head to toe michael schmidt that's pretty, that's pretty good yeah yeah, good. yeah 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 i mean that's not that, that was like many it was like 95 94 94 whatever i don't know it was many moons ago so let's get I into it i was 10 you... years old in the club <laughs> like 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 laverne cox she was only 10 back then just 10 i mean look things were different back then you know yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. the groupies in the 70s yeah. like you don't judge everyone yeah no laverne yet. and her brother used to do like an opera act together oh, really? like wow. yeah but lamar and um they, this is that squeeze box yeah 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 they would do like a rock opera it was like twins rock wow. opera and it was laverne and lamar it's funny i loved it, it was good, know, good there's time. that footage of the first performance of hedwig's material at squeezebox so i wonder did they film a lot rather did they video a lot of the stuff going on at squeezebox was that a regular thing you know i don't know i mean john's good for getting himself taped and kept for posterity i mean i mean even on broadway like they didn't shoot his shoot him for posterity because they didn't because he had broken his leg on stage oh. and um he was in a cast and it was yeah. just like i mean they should have done it anyway i mean he basically changed the show which he can he's hedwig it's probably a top secret thing but i remember his lot one of his last shows i looked in every corner of the theater it was like some little man with a little teeny tiny camera Fabulous. taping yeah. it you know what i mean but um i think anybody that's um you know, I work a lot with um, Karen O from the AAS. Yeah. And she did some stuff with Spike Jones and like his brother. She did an opera called Stop the Virgins. And I mean, Spike and Lance Banks came and shot it in Sydney at the Opera House and in New York City. I mean, and who knows if that footage will ever get seen. But I think it's important. Yeah. I mean, especially with theater and stuff like that, because... You know, theater is such a like experience where you, you know, I hate it when people take pictures during theater because uh-huh. it's not supposed to be viewed by a camera. It's supposed to be sure. viewed by the eyes, the human yeah. eyes. And, um, you know, cause it's stage. And, um, yeah. but I, I also think like when I look at the old performance, I have a VHS tape. I haven't watched it in a million years because I don't have a VHS player of John's performance of Hedwig on Jane yeah. Street. And, um, you know, totally different. If you ever need anything transferred, I have a full rig. Yeah, I, I, I just got an rid of archivist setup. 
in my office, I had a, a one of those big TVs, and I had a DVD player and a VHS in it. You know, it's like a duo built in. Oh yeah, yeah. I, and I used to literally keep Repulsion by Roman Polanski yeah. like in my office. All was always playing. It was like Catherine <laughs> Deneuve. Like it's like a mood. It's like a mad, nice uh, yeah. Mad hairdresser and um, you know, killing everyone and stuffing them under the couch. And that was what I always kept on um on a loop on vhs but then i like i got rid of it i was like i can't do this big ass vhs situation i still have all my vhs tapes so i got rid of all my vinyl but i still have all my vhs it's hard to get rid of certain things i have tubs of or what totes full of vhs lining one closet because i have a ton of stuff that you know has never been released like i'm a huge collector and i uh archivist of some stuff but you know what's so funny my friend the other day was telling me that same thing he's like my boyfriend i'm just like really pissing me off and like i told him to get rid of all of his vhs's and he's like this one's worth so much money and like it was like he went online and it was like worth a hundred bucks. <laughs> it was like, oh, it's like, yeah. I mean, that's how I feel. I have one of my bedrooms is like, and it's like a storage unit slash office. Yeah. And um, it's you know, the only way I like get out of there is to drop a match and run or drop dead. <laughs> I mean, literally, and everyone's gonna go in there and just throw everything in the garbage. But to me, it's just a sea of great value. But it's all the old Hedwig wigs. I mean, shit, like tons of makeup and just crazy stuff that most people won't care about. But a lot of people might care about. Actually, no, a lot of people would absolutely care about that. I need to have somebody come in and help me like archive everything. It's really bad. Like I was saying in the Criterion DVD that um, people are like, oh, I want to see the Hedwig wig. And like I like pull out a garbage bag. Like they're (laughs) like, oh, my God, it's not like a glass case. I'm like, no. Like if you go into my house you don't know that I did Hedwig. There's not, you wouldn't even know that I lit. It's, there's no pictures of me on the wall. Or yeah. There's like a little tiny Microck framed photograph, but it's in my bedroom, which is painted black and in a corner. Like, you don't, like, I don't have Hedwig posters all over the place. It'd be kind of a move, a weird move to do that, right? I mean, I know a lot of celebrities. I know a few people that have Warhols of themselves. And like, I also know like a lot of people that just have so many pictures and paintings of themselves or i love it when an artist fills his house only with his own <laughs> art it's like ooh, gross <laughs> like i have one of my paintings above my bed but like my bedroom again is like a little hall painted jet black like a, it's like a dungeon so um but it's filled with like bright colored art but one of my the only painting in my house it's mine is the one that's above my bed no one will ever see that because no one ever comes over to my bed <laughs> <laughs> as you mentioned at the end of the casey spooner episode you're on yeah. a sort of single solo and alone thing right now don't like do like dating apps and stuff like that it's like i know john's like meets all these people on grinder and he makes all these friends and he promotes his shows but to be honest i don't even like strangers on my couch i i just feel like it's it's flu season <laughs> and uh, do you know what i mean like, right you want and we want to stay uh, I don't healthy for activities and... myself to other like i just feel like it's sort of like um i i you know i i did it all in it like i you know i've been laid i'm not a, i'm not a virgin um and you know it it when it comes up it comes up but um i don't know like i just feel like it becomes like this active obsession and i'm not like uh-huh. prudish but um i have other things to do you know what i mean yeah. but um yeah it's I, the dating apps is it's too humiliating it's like being in gym class and pick last or something it's like <laughs> And the pictures, I'm like, oh, what does it really look like? And you know what I mean? It's just, it's funny. But I get, I love it. And I know people that have gotten married from dating. Right. You know, I I always like new people in my life. And like, I'm always like, I got a new friend. You know what I mean? I love a new friend. Yeah. And you know, it takes a while to figure out if they're like going to be your real friend or like, it's it's just like, what the fuck was I thinking? Maybe they were just cute or funny or or rich or I don't know what it was, but (laughs) something kept me around for a little longer than I should have been. But that's like, you know, how many times you've been in a relationship and been like, oh God, like I got to get out of here. And you just stayed. 
Haven't we all been there? Yeah. 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 So many times. And I've been on both sides of that coin. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's a good move, though. And it's a good uh, thought to take away is that it, it you should just keep making friends because yeah. even though sometimes you make a wrong decision, you limit yourself if you just close off. Yeah. Which a lot of people do. Oh, my God. And like one of the some of the one of the person that was working backstage on John's show um, was help. It was like a helper backstage, and we yeah. started talking about art. And he's coming to my studio Friday, and we're going to paint together. I mean, you know, I That's just great. met him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's like twenty two years old and very nice, and I'm um, straight. Like you know, nothing like weird. It's just like you know, I like got to keep that stuff going on. And you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of I have this, a lot of the old I have the same friends. Some of my friends I've had for like thirty years. Yeah, you know, and then a lot of my friends are dead. Uh huh. It's not, it's not like I laugh because I'll cry if I don't. Well, sure, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't oh think you were God. laughing I can like I count on my uh... fingers and toes all my friends that are dead. Mm-hmm. And like some like best friends that died when I, they were my best friend. Weird, crazy shit. But you know, I'm still here. So, so you must have seen a, a lot of um, people struggling with substance issues then. Because I mean, I'm reminded I've of... seen it all. I mean, like, I've seen car accidents, drug overdoses, suicides. Um, someone murdered i mean wow. like yeah and it's weird i'm like don't be friends with me or you'll die <laughs> you're gonna die anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah you know i mean i you know yeah like too many like i I don't have many many emotions left in me but if i start talking about it oh yeah all you have to do is show me a, a video of the world trade centers falling and i'll burst into tears that's about the only thing that'll make me cry anymore so for the next taping i'll that like I'll... the cat like in like the like like the commercial on tv where like the little girl and her dad or something stupid makes me like get a little misty but yeah not much gets me emotional anymore. do you cry at movies um yeah i will cry at a movie but only if i'm by myself like i won't ever okay. cry in front of other people but um like i actually like you know those shows like like queer eye yeah like, it's like it makes me cry every time it actually makes me really angry <laughs> really? when they like want to make me cry i'm like you're not gonna make me cry that's why i've never been in therapy i went to a therapist once and they tried to make me cry and i just laughed i was like you're not gonna make me cry like good luck it's not <laughs> happening i mean i can cry on cue but um, <laughs> i think that's really a dark sad thing that actors have in common i'm not an actor but i you know i could be probably but um, i heard that to me more can uh, offer which eye Oh, choice. oh yeah i have my friend who's an actress can like make one eye like like snap your finger i mean it's definitely like a trick but um yeah. you, know, you have to bring shit up i mean you think about like you know dead auntie or dead cat or something you know like something yeah, it's something like, yeah it's not just like a you know you, you squeeze your hand and you start crying but um yeah yeah, I don't, I don't cry a lot, but I do. I've been, what, what was I watching that made me cry? Oh, I've been watching, I don't watch a lot of reality TV, but uh-huh. I've been watching this show called, um, The Casketeers on Netflix. Oh, I haven't heard of this. It's yeah. like, it's like a Maori, New Zealand, like tribal, like funeral home. Oh, and wow. They have like these ceremonial funerals and, um, a lot of the people, you know, it's like very beautiful, like the traditions, Polynesian culture. Uh-huh. And, um, about every other one, it'll be like a little kid or someone like, and I'm just like, Man. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't really, I would never cry in public in a in a theater. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm prone to that. I'm prone to that. Uh, you do. I, oh, I, yeah, I actually like it. Uh, not, not the performative aspect. I just mean like I love when a movie is oh, like. I love when something makes me cry. I mean, because it's just like it did its like you know its job. But like I, you know, like even when I watch Broadway, like when I watch Hedwig. Nicole Richford, the girl who helped me for years, and um, she was watching John do Origin of Love, and she was 
Yeah. I was like, reel those tears in, Missy. Like, I don't like it when people cry around me. <laughs> I don't like it. Like, I have friends who are like real criers and I'm like, you're crying for yourself. I know you're not crying because I'm going to give you attention because like, reel it in. And my friend, <laughs> my friend is like, like, I won't cry in front of you. And she'll like run away. But the best was I did my friend's makeup once for her wedding. And like, I forgot to use, um, uh, waterproof mascara and uh-huh. right before she walked down the aisle I was like you can't cry and she was like what do you mean and I was like <laughs> I didn't use waterproof mascara I'm really sorry and she was like you're kidding me right and I'm like nope and she didn't cry wow she <laughs> yeah. kept you brain to yeah it's like you're only crying for other people <laughs> Well, no, I, I'm so I cry for myself. So you, yeah, that's a little mean. I cry for myself when I cry, when I cried like a show, like I cried uh, at uh, which song the other night? Maybe Wicked Little Town. I'm oh, not yeah, sure. that's a good one. It makes me a little misty, right? And uh, usually during the film, it's two or three different times. I think midnight. Oh, Midnight Radio. Oh, Hedwig makes you cry. The oh, movie. yeah, 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 yeah. Midnight Radio. It's uh, what's well, also yeah, it does. It's a little. It's moving to me for sure. Yeah. I mean, it watching that movie though, it brings back so many memories and like. I'm very critical of my work. Like, I find that movie very hard to watch. Well, I mean, of course, because it's your work and an artist is always looking at what they did once and thinking, oh, maybe I should have done but that. But, you know, like, I look at it and I, I think I did a good job. But um, I think so. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I think so. But um, I am. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, but I definitely, when I, I hadn't watched it for like five years, I think, or something like that. I didn't watch it for like five years. And then a friend of mine was like, a new friend. Okay. Yeah. Who'd never heard of Hedwig was like, oh, I want to watch it. And I was like, okay. And so we watched it and, like they didn't get it like they were like huh and oh, i was okay. like you don't fucking get it like <laughs> we're not friends anymore like what is wrong with you i may have had that reaction with someone yeah i'm you know i mean not everybody i mean i have a cousin that saw it recently and she's like i can't wait i'm like she's gonna hate it like i knew she wouldn't get it she was like yeah. you know but whatever you know if people don't get it i feel sorry for them because it has Me so too. many things to tell you about yourself and like i mean you know, you gotta like, you gotta embrace it. But yeah, I mean, I that was the first time and I hadn't seen it in five years where I was like, oh, this movie, this movie's really good, actually. It held yeah. up, and it was that long enough time where I wasn't sure if it would have would have held up over time, but it had. Yeah, it definitely has. It's yeah. not uh, dated in any way. And I the mean, stage production, um, still gets produced all the time, all over the country, all over the world. Although it's I heard like, someone told me that the rights aren't available in Australia, or at least they weren't for a long time. Well, that's why we hope it goes to Australia because I can get um a residuals. <laughs> well, no, it's true. Um, I don't know if it's that's true. That's I know that there's like a production in Boston and San yeah. and Austin. It's done a lot in Boston. I'm from Boston originally. There's so. one in Boston right now. Oh wow! It's like a community theater or something like oh, that. Cool. And there's it's weird in Delaware. My parents live in Delaware um part of the time, and um in Wilmington, Delaware, like every year. They they have like they do Hedwig for like a week or something. I wow. don't know if it's the same actor, the same theater, or what, but it yeah. must be like popular enough that they feel like they can revive it. Kids today love it. I mean, it's so funny. My friends, two um, daughters, I've known since they were little girls, and they're like both in college now. But they love Hedwig. They know every word to every song, yeah. and like they've seen it on Broadway, and they've you know they're like into the movies, and they like one became a makeup became a quote makeup artist because of you know. She said Hedwig, but who knows? Why don't you take her word for it? I mean, I just think like it it's like magical, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's something magical about it. It's kinda like um a little bit Wizard of Oz y, you know I mean? Wizard of Oz, a little bit of Rocky Horror yeah. in terms of the inspirational some, thing. There's that, some Nashville in there. Oh, there's, there's a lot and yeah, and all that jazz too. Oh uh, yeah, all that yeah. jazz, totally.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I became Julie Andrews and Blake Edwards Gardner, and I was their gardener for like a couple of years. And um, so you like, have a bit of a green thumb. This is something. Well, I went you... to University of Delaware for agricultural, you know, business right. and economics. Right. And in the summers, I grew up on a, you know, like in the country, and I mowed lawns and always helped my grandmother garden. Yeah. And then I worked in a greenhouse and like for years. So I worked for this lady, and she was like a landscape architect. Her name was Eileen Wingate. She still has. I'm sure she still does. I think she's a city planner now, or like a urban planner. She um hired me to like maintain like rooftop gardens for like I mean it was like Ivan Boski's wife Seema Boski and we would do like um like Henry Kissinger's office and like um like um um the lady who owned Jordash Rosie Nakash uh-huh. and like the lady who owned Tornio who would like garden with me and like leave like a roll diamond Rolexes in the dirt you know what I mean yeah and one of her clients was Julie Andrews. I just started doing her gardens like we would do full installation. I mean, this is a lady who really literally wanted like instant gratification dripping rose gardens and she got it and she had like roses named after her. You know what I mean? Like she's like, these are the Julie Andrews and she'd follow you around with the pruning shears and leave notes in the plants and be like, these look a little dry, Michael. (laughs) What are we going to do? And I was standing next to her when the OJ verdict was read. Really? Yep. I was standing in her living room and we were all standing there in front of the TV. It was like me, her assistant, her and like her maid and i remember we were all just like waiting and like when they announced it every julie was like huh and then walked away (laughs) we were like oh what's gonna happen but she was so cool i mean she would fought she was so nice i mean she lived up six story you know brownstone on the upper east side no no elevator such a fabulous like tall handshake of a woman cursed Julie Edwards, not Andrews. I mean, yeah. that was always like Lena Horne or Carol Burnett or like, or, um, someone, um, was over there. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Sure. But, um, but I was also working for her when she like had her vocal surgery and lost her voice. So oh, yeah. it was like a weird time, you know, like she was, it was definitely that, you know, I mean, cause she can't really, she can't, she's never sang since. Yeah. Really. I mean, she, you know, does, but never like she used to. Cause someone gave her a, they they fucked her up, her doctor. Yeah. I mean, she sued that doctor. But anyway, it was a good time. She used to give me, you know, I decorated her Christmas tree and she'd give me her, give me Chris, really fancy Christmas presents. And mm-hmm. Blake Edwards was always around. And um, it was good. It was fun. It was definitely like the weird first job and I had in New York. That's like a very classic, like New York bizarro story in a way because you're immediately in the, this realm well i just people. like i just like remember like julie was so private and like no one knew where she lived and she like always there was always a car and driver outside but i remember one time she walked out of her house and someone recognized her and was like started freaking out and she brought them into her house and was wow. like let me sign these pictures with you she's like please don't tell anyone where i live and let's take a picture and i'll sign up you know whatever had some eight by tens i'm sure somewhere and gave them but um yeah she was like come in brought them in i mean obviously she's like always surrounded by like a group of people but i saw her with her assistant francini who's like this real tough lady at like Bergdorf's once, like years yeah. later. And I walked over and I saw Julie and I saw Francis Francini. And I was like, 
immediately Francini's like a bulldog, like, stay away. You know, it's Julie Andrews. And I was with Francini. He was like, Michael. And they were like, Michael. And I was like, oh, God. Hi, guys. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was my first couple of years in New York. And that was when I met John Cameron Mitchell uh-huh. when I was working at... I, was, I also worked at Kim's Video. I've heard of Kim's Video. They're was making a like- documentary about Kim's Video. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're making a really, like, kind of major documentary about wow. it. Because the archive was bought by some major collector and it's in like a castle in italy and they're building an entire almost like like film town around it like a sundance wow. like festival yeah. type town and describe kim's video for those who don't know what it is kim's video was a chain of video stores pre-blockbuster not blockbuster was store it was around but like tower records was around but um and we rented DVDs and VHSs and laser discs. Um, we had the largest selection of laser disc porn. Ah, uh-huh, yes. But we, all the people that worked there, were like real snobby, like <laughs> like Harvard film student, like assholes. I mean, Karen O worked at Kim's Video back in the day. I think she's going to be a part of the documentary, but yeah. Um, it was her only job ever other than being in a band. She told me, I was like, lucky you. Uh, but, uh, she just, she's a rock star. She should only be in a band. But, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. It was like a lot of celebrities came in, you know, yeah. like Tim Robbins always came in and never returned his videos. And, um, <laughs> John Cameron Mitchell was one of my customers. Yeah. And that's where I met, I met John there, but really we met at Squeezebox before, but then we recognized each other at and we Kim's. said hi. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. And then Kim's got shut down because of all the big chains opening. Right. Mr. Kim was a Korean man. He was in the Korean War and he came in New York and, started this kind of kind of empire and he was cool i mean it was definitely like very like sexist you know like weird like you know situation of yeah. a lot of weird stuff going on like the i remember his secretary always brought in a hot plate and cooked lunch for him every day and then one day i was like you, he, there's call a takeout tell him to get his own damn lunch and then she stopped bringing the hot plate in <laughs> she didn't make it anymore she was like you're right i'm like i know there's plenty of restaurants in yeah the we area. were in the west village on yeah. Bleecker and west 10th street a block from christopher street yeah where were you living at the time? Um, I lived in the East Village. I originally moved to Williamsburg, and then I lived in the East Village. In Times Square, I lived oh, in really? Times Square. I lived wow. at the back door of the Virgin Megastore, which was very crazy at New Year's <laughs> Eve, because you had to leave your house like for two days. Oh, yeah. Um, but it was like this weird little building that was in the middle of Times Square that had like an apart- two apartments above like an Italian restaurant. It yeah. was literally in 24-hour McDonald's on the end of each block. Type. Yeah. But um, now I've lived in the same place in Williamsburg for... 20 years mm-hmm. yeah when stabilization yeah that's it's a beautiful thing I've, yeah. i have a rent control place in west hollywood three bedrooms rent stabilized beautiful gonna, and ju- gonna die there <laughs> <laughs> well it's all painted black right so that's appropriate for the uh well a lot of it's painted black i kind of started to like revert back from that like just my bedroom is black mainly but there's like a black wall and there's two black walls and two of the rooms is it high gloss or matte matte mm-hmm. yeah i had a i used to have a matte nail polish company and i'm I used to match the colors to my nail polish so I could use the nail polish to touch up the walls. I'm not kidding. No, I'm laughing because it's a smart move. You know what I mean? And my, it's so funny because my neighbor is this, uh, this mechanic and he has, he's like works for BMW. I've known him since he's a little kid. He painted one of his BMWs, one of the colors of my nail polish. His girlfriend loved the nail polish and, um, he would um he did he was like i can use it to touch up my he did he touched up his car with it <laughs> <laughs> so it had a lot of purposes what, yeah, was the, yeah. what was the name of the company it was called knockout but we ended it a couple years ago we had we sold nail polish we did the only time we ever did glitter was um for hedwig but it was all matte okay no shine 
which was like yeah. now like everyone does now but we were the first matte black because i invented it because when we were kids we were like goth we would use sharpies on our nails and like white out so i did a matte black and a matte white and i remember like we had a good publicist and we had the matte white and the today show had this thing where it was like get the fancy version or here's the cheap version and it was always like this red lip liner by chanel or this one by wet and wild and i remember mine was like my nail polish and a bottle of whiteout. And I was like, I don't have any competition. <laughs> you know? You it was the literally market. a bottle of whiteout on the Today Show. And I was like, wow. Yeah. So you're in New York then. And then when did you, and you're working at Kim's video. And are you doing makeup at this point? Um, Yeah, like drag. More like wigs and stuff. But I mean, yeah. I was doing John like for little gigs and stuff like that. I mean, I didn't really, I mean, we had like, my makeup was in like a little tackle box and I was definitely doing like my grandmother's wigs and makeup when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like full on like makeup for church. She used to wear wigs and she was into makeup and stuff like that. So I was always doing that when I was a kid. Um, When did you first start doing it? When playing with makeup as a kid? Oh my God. Like, I must have been like probably like six or seven years old or something like that. I mean, I would like destroy my grandmother's wigs. She would like hide them from me. She would buy a new one out of the back of the TV guide where you send the lock of your hair and they match it and they oh, send wow. you the wig back in. Yeah. And um, like Eva Gabor wigs. <laughs> like we were talking about Merv Griffin. Yeah, earlier. Merv Griffin's uh, alleged girlfriend. Yeah, uh, he's like his friend. Yeah, um, special friend. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just always... And I used to go to the beauty parlor with her on Saturdays or yeah. whenever she used to get her hair done. And Miss Anna Gosley's Beauty Emporium. And it was like this, like, like basically like a little barn in this lady's backyard in, like, the country. And it was all these ladies getting their hair done and perms and wigs. And it was fun. That was sort of where I, like, started, you know, doing that kind of stuff. And they, they were all, like, they loved that I did it. They were like, here's another wig. Do this one. And they would show me how to do it. Yeah. Know? I don't think they'd ever met anyone like me. Mm-hmm. when i was a kid you know i think i'm pretty um that's the one thing that people always say that when they've known me they're like you've always been like the same you know what i mean sure like, very and, much you yourself know, obviously and, in a different way yeah. but you know i mean people do change but um yeah i've become more into luxury items now. <laughs> <laughs> well we were discussing at the end of the casey spooner episode the yeah uh, casey and his custom nike couture uh, yeah oh right. my god pretty good pretty running good. for president yeah he's got our vote might as well. Although, I don't know if Hedwig's really running for president, which the sticker on my phone says. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't I don't think she's going to run. She's not an American citizen. Well, listen, maybe uh, Hedwig could be in the cabinet or perhaps they could join forces on a joint ticket. So then you're doing makeup for John for some certain gigs. Like what yeah. kind of gigs? Like uh, TV gigs? Like, or, no, 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 no. Like Hedwig. Like, we were oh, always... I meant before. I, I was wondering if you were doing makeup no, no, before. No, no, no. no God, no. Hedwig I was stuff. working in the gallery. I was um, I was working in an art gallery. I was working at Kim's Video. I was Julie Andrews Gardner. I had a million jobs. I was go-go dancing. Yeah. Um, and now when you uh, started go-go dancing, you met Michael Schmidt at Squeezebox? Well, no. I met him. I th- I'm sure I met him at Squeezebox, but he hired me to work at a club I can't remember the name of the club, but it was at a um, place called Coney Island High. Oh, okay. And, and just to clarify, because I don't know if this will come out before or after the Michael Schmidt episode, and mm-hmm. I want to make sure listeners understand that Squeezebox was, of course, Michael Schmidt's club. Yep. That was a very uh, influential place, and yep. that's where Hedwig started. It's where drag queens would go to like sing live with a band. Yeah. Instead of lip syncing. It's funny because my exposure to drag was... I mean, I, I always know, knew the drag queen lip syncing thing, but... um. My first real, like, constant exposure was, like, drag queen singing live at Squeezebox, you know, uh-huh. and they had a band there, and it was right. definitely, like, 
to me, it's all I knew. You know, I didn't know it was like a new thing at the time. Oh, sure. Because, like I had just come to New York and I lived in London before that. And we used to go to like clubbing, but it wasn't like drag venue type. It was more like hardcore, like nightclubs. Yeah, so when I came to New York, everyone was singing live, and it was like Jackie Beat, you know, and like um, sure. amazing, like Sherry Vine and Formica and Miss Guy and Michael Cavadias, Lily of the Valley, Jane County was there. I mean, and yeah. they all sang. With, there was a house band, right. and um, it was definitely that time when we were like, um, you know, it was it was like the it was also that Giuliani time when all the mm-hmm. clubs were being shut down. And sure, there was you weren't allowed to dance in a you had to have a cabaret license to dance. Like, you could not dance to a song in a restaurant, like, at a table. Like, you couldn't stand up yeah. and move or you could get arrested. No tattoo parlors. It was a really weird, bizarre, creep, creepy time. But yeah. Don somehow survived that um, that weird. I think because we were, like, way at the edge by the Holland Tunnel. And, like, uh-huh. there's too much going on in, like, the village and, like, East Village. And they didn't, like, really bother us down there. I don't know how it ended up not getting shut down or like having being harassed by the cops they never had problems there as i recall and again for those not familiar uh squeezebox was a party held at don don hills which was a very legendary influential place yeah don hill i I can't remember he was like the manager i I wanted to say mud club but i don't think that's it of another club that was really major and um he had this little tiny nightclub and um don was such a cool man he passed away a few years ago but um you know, always playing his pinball machine like an, you know, older straight man with silver hair and always hung out, always loved, you know, the gays and the drag queens and stuff like that. Yeah. And I luckily got to see him right before he passed away. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, that was where Squeezebox was held. It was on Friday nights. So yeah, I think they just had a 25th anniversary, but they didn't do anything for it, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. And how many years did Squeezebox run for? I mean, they did like a 10 year anniversary, but I, I don't know if they weren't doing it every Friday at that point or not. But I know that, um, I think it was the 10-year anniversary where they filmed everything for real. Oh, okay. And they made an amazing documentary about oh, wow. Hedwig, but it never, it came, never came out. Oh, because I was like, oh, weird, no, I haven't seen it, but no, no, not so weird. Yeah. It didn't come out because they couldn't secure the rights to all the songs that the drag queens sang. Oh, that's like, a shame. really, like, they should have chosen, like, real cheap songs. But, you know, everybody's <laughs> singing, like, Queen and Bowie and, like, yeah. you know, and, like, things that probably cost a lot of money, which yeah. is why we should also give a shout-out to Dolly Parton because... When we did Hedwig, she was very kind and let John use John and Stephen Trask use "I Will Always Love You" for like virtually nothing. I mean, and in perpetuity or something. Yeah, maybe, right? yeah, yeah. And we were always so upset that she never came to see Hedwig, but she knows what Hedwig is. <laughs> well, because she almost did "Wig in a Box," right? For I the remember, tribute album or, or one of the songs. She almost did one of the songs. I, the I don't. Album. I don't know any of the stories other than that she was very like thought it was cute and funny and like was like yeah let him have it i mean she's, yeah. she's worth so much money i mean that's nice when an artist with a lot of money and power can do that i mean like rosie o'donnell did that for the movie she let john use the footage for the sh- from the show i mean because stuff like that costs it's like it can be a hindrance oh certainly you yeah know? That especially could cost a so lot. The, the squeeze box documentary just didn't wasn't able to come out because of they couldn't afford, I think, to pay for the music. And the documentary is great. I'm in it and I have black hair, which is strange. <laughs> and they make, made me style a wig on camera. And it was really yeah. funny. If but, there's uh, any way for me to see it uh, through other channels, yeah, I'd be I could happy try to, to. find. I could probably find a way to someone that has a copy of it. Yeah, I, in fact, I know I can. I haven't seen it in a long time. It's really, really good. Like I'd John Waters is in it. Yeah. And Debbie Harry. It's like it's like a good. Um, 
it was good, but it was just a shame that it never came out. But that's that's how influential it was. But yeah, so they had the anniversary. But um, I just saw John Waters a couple months ago in Detroit for his birthday party, <laughs> and Jake played the birthday party. And there was a Q and A, and he spent at least two minutes talking about the impact of Squeezebox. I did a photo shoot with John Waters in Rikers Island Prison once. <laughs> yeah, fashion shoot for Harper's Bazaar that they killed the story because they were like. These, these pictures are making fun of fashion because he had, <laughs> he had all these models. It was like Alec Weck, Aaron O'Connor, Carolyn, Carolyn Ribeiro, and Lisa Winkler dressed like clowns wearing Comme des Garcons holding a big butch lesbian, like security guard, like hostage, <laughs> like a baton, like, and it, they were hilarious. And we yeah. did like the plastic surgeon's office. Lisa Winkler had like all the Prada bags and she's in cart. We shot in Cartier and got her getting her credit cards cut up. And then <laughs> one of, um, uh, Karen O'Connor in a rainstorm drenched in Galliano and like, like, like makeup running. And then all these people wearing Burberry, like pointing and laughing. Uh-huh. And, um, when they, the, when Glenda Bailey, I guess, saw them, she was like, who's John Waters? Cause she had just taken over and she killed the story. Oh my God. Most money they ever spent. But one of the shots we did <laughs> was in Rikers Island prison. And yeah. we, I was like, John, how did you, get like us in here you know yeah. so we, you have to like give your id and you go over and I, it's like you don't you're in prison yeah and um, they were painting that wing and he was like you know i know people in the prison system he's like i'm friends with some of the manson girls and i'm um, right you know i mean he you know i think he did outreach and stuff with people yeah. in the prisons and stuff yeah 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 but no he's, yeah he's done like a lot of that over he's the like years, the right? mayor whenever i see him he's like hello 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 <laughs> like shaking everyone's hands and if he kind of he knows me a little bit he'd be like oh hi hi like and then moving on yeah sure <laughs> yeah. sure yeah, I see, always see him. At, I used to see him in Chelsea, and he'd be like, "There's a big sale at Comme des Garcons." He but, loves uh, Comme des Garcons. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, he's he's amazing. I mean, come on, he's like an inspiration for us all. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. all the time. I want to get him on the show sometime. He doesn't have social media, does he? No. I feel like that's good because I feel like people would expect too much. Mm-hmm. Like they, it would have to be like so curated and trashy and like yeah. perfectly John Waters. I mean, it'd be funny if it was really bland and just sort of like pictures of cats. He's a very special person. Yeah, a consistently original thinker. And such a nice person. He's yeah. so sweet and like funny and he's always the same whenever I see him. So then you were doing the makeup for Hedwig at Squeezebox and mm-hmm. then as that progressed eventually into Jane Street, etc. But and then you were also doing makeup for other people at this point or no? I was doing I mean, I was doing well, you know, when we did Jane Street. I had like worked at that point with like Richard Avedon and like, and like Max Viducal and Stephen Klein had all shot Hedwig, like really right. like yeah. Avedon. Yeah. And, um, so at that point, like I, people were interested in like, you know, using me, like give me getting an agent and stuff like that. You know, and I, I met this agent and um, her name's Christy Engels. She no longer is an agent, but I mean, she brought me in and she's like, we can't tell anyone you did Hedwig. Like, you can't tell anybody. She's <laughs> like, we got to like not have that in your book. Like, we're going to put it in the, at the, maybe in your bio, but you're going to go do all pictures with no makeup, like uh-huh. clean, clean, clean. And so I did. And I just went out and like started doing fashion and stuff like that. And um, then I got like, I started, oh, you know what kind of brought me into the next level was I got this new singer that, um, that they were doing. And, um, she just came out and she's 15 and they wanted me to do her look. And it was Avril Lavigne. So, wow. we, so we shot her album cover like the day, like, oh, two days after September 11th on Canal Street. Like oh, that, wow. that let go album cover yeah. was like, is like, which is a blurred street. And that was sort of like when I sort of really got into like doing like more like real like mainstream stuff. 
and I mean, you know, I just, you know, I, I do everything. I do movies, yeah. commercials. I do like some music. I don't really do a lot anymore. I still do the AAS and Karano and stuff like that, but, um, there's not much music money left in the music industry. Right. True. Um, I just did a movie last fall with Katie Holmes and the guy mm-hmm. who directed Sweet Home Alabama. So I have kind of like a, like a weird varied career. You yeah, know what I mean? Sure. But, um, yeah, it, it just, it kind of like progressed, but yeah, Hedwig wasn't helpful. <laughs> and it has actually, that's the pull quote, by the way. Well, Hedwig wasn't helpful. Well, it's so funny because I think like even on Broadway, because I got so much press for Broadway, like extreme amount of press. And, um, I, I think, it kind of sort of ruined my career for like a year after that because wow. nobody called. Cause I think when people see you like that, they think, Oh, he must be rich and he's famous or something like that. And like, he's not working. He's doing that. And I'm, I mean, I really, you know, I'm doing like, I'm a working makeup artist. Yeah. That's what I do. I mean, people think I'm this wig guru. I don't even do hair. I won't even do a man's hair. Ask my agent, Mary at Ray Brown and Shannon. They always try to get me to do men, men's grooming. And I'm like, I'm not touching their hair. Like I won't <laughs> do the hair. Like I'll do yeah. the makeup. Like I'll beat a face, but I won't touch hair. I refuse. Like I, like I'll still make a wig for John. And that's, that's about, a special thing. And that's I made, a different... I, I make, I made, um, a couple, last couple, last few Kiki wigs I make for Justin Bond. And, um, mm-hmm. Uh, but one every 10 years. <laughs> no, I still have Kiki's original wig. It's like bald with like four strands of like that <laughs> swoop in the front. <laughs> I just made her new one. Like I made one for Broadway and then I made another one for her. For oh, um, I saw, Yeah, I saw the one on Instagram. And, that um, was on, yeah. And, no, not that one. That's oh, no? Perfidia, who was the wig supervisor on Hedwig. That big oh, white one. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I made just Kiki. Not like, oh, I see. that's like okay. a different character. Okay. Kiki. Yeah, yeah. And I made the one that was recently, they did Kiki did um Joe's Pub. But um, I love Justin. So great. Yeah, I want to have Justin on the show. Oh, you should. She had a big scandal recently because I was on Fifth Avenue and I saw this lady with a shopping bag and I was like, Justin's Bond's face was on it. So I texted Justin and she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, your face is on a huge, huge face is on a shopping yeah. bag. I guess Stonewall 50th used her image without her permission. Oh, that's right. And it was like on posters, on subways, and she was so unhappy about it. And advertisements for the World Pride closing ceremony and all but that I was stuff. the one that like, brought it to her attention. <laughs> she was like, at first she was like, oh, that's cute. And then I was like, I was like, I don't think it's cute now because she doesn't seem very happy about it. Yeah, right. I would be mad too. Of course. Because I mean, it was a big, it was like a very, it wasn't like a little you know, tiny part of a collage yeah. or something. It yeah. was a collage, but her face was huge. Very prominent. Yeah. When you were talking earlier about um, the filming of the movie uh-huh. a lot of people might not know that the film set was kind of like a pain in the ass right like it just it was a lot of struggle with some of the uh elements or the forces on set well i mean because it was a low budget film it was a low budget film um we actually didn't even finish the movie like when we really? ran out of money and time and um new line saw the footage and let us go back to Canada and reshoot and shoot a couple additional scenes and we shot some stuff in new york with michael pitt but um it was really hard. I mean, like by the end, I feel like there was like 70 hour nonstop days to get shit. Yeah. I mean, and you know, for me personally, like I had never done a movie before. So, and it was really hard because I was sort of John's gatekeeper. I was doing his makeup. He's directing a movie with a monitor in his face. And like, there's like all these eighties and I had to literally be like, I'm still that guy. I'm still the bitch. Who's like, get the fuck <laughs> out of here everybody out and john's like don't be so mean and he's like thank you like he you know what i mean like he yeah. like wants it but he's like he needs don't to be pulled away don't while he's going so, no i want to see it. don't yeah, be yeah. so mean to the people and then he's like thank god you're such a mean bitch to the people but uh, uh, and you know i am um, 
so it was it was really really hard because it's hard and you know john was directing in drag yeah and and singing live full makeup and wig and um yeah and singing live and um all the close-ups, if we even got close-ups, were shot at the very end of the day when the makeup oh, was like God. busted and beat. Yeah, and th- testament to Frank DeMarco pre-retouching. Thank you. And they did retouch the Criterion and made them. <laughs> I was like, you need to fix like three things. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I got to, director of photography. Yeah, DP Frank to Frankie DeMarco. I got to look. I, I I did. I just thought makeup artists always got to sit on the camera and look at the close-ups through the lens, but sure. they don't. And yeah. like I did, you know what I yeah. mean? And like I got to. I had that like that luxury of being able to know what she was going to look like. And I, I also learned about the magic of filmmaking and lighting and filters and how a cracked ass face can look beautiful on 35 if it's properly lit and gelled. And um, so I got that. And that's why to this day, if I'm on set with a photographer, I'm like, you need to change that light. And like, uh-huh. what's going on? You know, like I, if they can't get it, I can tell them how they need to get it. Yeah. You know, cause I'm, I, I know I've seen it a million times, but I'm, um, then we had to shoot all these close-ups that we never got, like, in, like, two days. And it was, like, uh, I had to match everything. Luckily, <laughs> I think most of the close-ups, the makeup's better. Okay, you know what I mean? sure, like, sure. It's, like, definitely changes. the con- My continuity is, it's there, but it's not perfect. You know what I mean? Like, there's definitely a scene in one scene, I can't remember which one it is, where her nail polish changes color or something. <laughs> I think they, like, actually maybe cut the hand out of that because they were like what the fuck <laughs> you didn't change the nails <laughs> I, I always you know it's hard it's like a lot to keep up with well it is hard yeah especially yeah. with the rush not a rush schedule but there's so much complexity to the looks like like 28 days I think. it's wild yeah yeah 28 days shoot days that's crazy i mean that's very for the complexity of that movie and absolutely the, the level of like production design god rest her soul therese Dupre, the production designer um who I don't think her or Miguel Villalobos slept for like 28 days. You know what I mean? Like right. literally, I mean, making magic out of nothing. But I mean, that's what, what I do. You know, I'm like a magician with my hands. Like I make yeah. stuff out of nothing, but um, that's why I'm still, I'm a, I'm a painter. I paint as well. I like that. The, to be able to do that, to make, you know, your dreams come true in your mind on a stage or yeah. a canvas or a yeah. face. And, um, you just have to have the right group of people. It's like, it's like being at war or like not being at war. I don't want to say that because people will come for me for comparing <laughs> war, but it's like being in like boot camp or something. Like you have to be a, a certain kind of person with a certain constitution or yeah. you can't, you won't make it. Like you won't like be able to do it. Like you can't physically do it. Like it's really hard. I just did a movie in New Orleans with, with, um, Katie's, who's a friend of mine, Katie Holmes. And it was like so cushy and sweet and fun, but I almost got electrocuted, like literally, like, like I did get electrocuted. What happened? We were shooting at this horse farm, and and Katie's trailer and Celia Weston. Do you know who that is? No. Older actress. She was like, she's amazing. She's in um talented Mr. Ripley. Oh, she was on Alice. She replaced. Oh, uh, okay. Anyway, right. older lady, yeah. beautiful, iconic actress. Yeah. She. All of our trailers were right up against this horse like fence. Yeah. And everyone had to squeeze around it, and I grabbed it and it was live and it was like a cattle fence so it was like and i flew wow. back i felt my heart pop 
Yeah. And I was like, I literally flipped out and called them. I was like, you need to turn that off because you're going to electrocute Celia or Katie. And I was a little bit shocked, but I mean, like, it was like, oh, God, we're so sorry. And um, they took care of it. But I mean, yeah, who goes to work and almost gets electrocuted? <laughs> right, right. God. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, changing variables. It's like crazy stuff and like just a lot of changing and moving and now, now, now. And then our yeah. center on and wait all day. And But um, John was great. I mean, he's such a great director and he's such a trooper. And, you know, he never really loses it. I mean, there were a few tears, but... Well, you know, you know, what are you there's do? A yeah. bit, John and I have a very um, a whimsically volatile relationship. <laughs> we do. We do. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've been doing it for so many years. People that come in are a little like, do they hate each other? Do they love each other? We can't really tell. But um, yeah. But those are special relationships, though. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's just, I, I just know over the years and John will deny it, but I've been accused of a lot of things like like uh. accusations of I'm hurting him or I took his eyebrows off and they never grew back. And like, <laughs> just, I mean, he tells that story one more time to the press that I ripped off his eyebrows and he never grew back. I mean, the same thing happened to Lana Turner and she had a great career <laughs> except for when her husband, when she, her stepdaughter killed her husband. Yeah. Outside of that though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. That little bump. But in the I road. mean, you know, they did, they took her eyebrows off and he never came back <laughs> and John's. Yeah. His eyebrows never really came back the same. I shaved I them off. I didn't wax them off. <laughs> yeah, you didn't rip them out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, do you know how hideous Hedwig would have been if she had like her eyebrows glued down or like those <laughs> his eyebrows? No, she needed that blank canvas. So yeah, there's that. But um, yeah, we I I love John and Stephen as well. They're they're so talented and they made something very special for you know the world, but which you, know you contributed I mean? greatly to. I mean, the, you know, the look it's is funny. iconic. I don't like. I kind of didn't realize how much until the last, like, during Broadway, I think, is when I sort of got it, how important it was. But then someone goes, it's the head and the wig. (laughs) I'm like, you're right. It is. Fair point. everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but then you have that vessel of John and all that music. It's so, you know. Oh, I know. And the the songs and lyrics are just unbelievable. Insane. Like, I just, like, you know, it's so funny. um, And Stephen Trash just had a show. um. You just said Stephen Trash, by the way. Trash? Stephen <laughs> Trash. Yeah, well, you get to know him. I love Stephen Trask. Amazing. He's one of my favorite people. But um, he did this show called This Ain't No Disco last yeah. year. And um, it it was um, um, one of the songs in it was this song that it's this Andy Warhol character called The Artist Sings. And it's um, Will, Con- Will Connolly, I think is his name, sings it. And Stephen sang it during the... Encores, right? Unbelievable. I mean, like, literally the hair raises off my arms. And it's funny because, you know, he's so known for Hedwig and he scores a lot and stuff like that for, you know, movies and things. But, you know, that, those songs, you know, just knowing that there's more in there is very, it's like thankful. I'm so thankful of that, you know. But I think we got some really good stuff out of those two, you know. Oh, we should be very grateful. And that's why I think we have all those people outside and so many fans that come and love it and scream and return over and over and over. I mean, yeah. They see something or they're... I mean, Hedwig's very obtuse, but she's very relatable. I think yeah. you see... You can see something of yourself in her, mm-hmm. in everybody, you know? Absolutely. It's a Rorschach test. Yeah, like of. straight, straight, gay, you know, any race you know i mean i mean god hedwig's biggest fans are in asia right there was two uh ladies who flew from japan for yeah, that show yeah yeah they yeah, gave yeah. me so many presents those ladies are nice That's but lovely. you know what's so funny all of their instagram pictures they posted they took 
a billion pictures. I mean, like the cameras were flying whenever they were there. It was like click, yeah. click, click, hug, hug, hug. And in every single picture that they're in, they have an emoji heart over their face. Are you serious? Yep. All the pictures. I was like, why do they do that? Like me and John and like, or Eric and I, and like yeah. this heart emoji. And I'm like, they, they, wow. I, I don't know. They said it's a very Japanese thing. Epic amount of photographs they took and posted. I mean, insane. Like, yeah. so many. And, um, yeah, their faces are covered in all of them. That's so funny. Yeah, they said it's like a Japanese thing, but it's, or it's like a little heart emoji or a cute yeah, little, like, yeah. something cute. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, something but cute. Yeah. It's like, like I, I someone would, would censor maybe like a, a body part exactly. or something. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's John Cameron Mitchell on a beautiful spring day in New York. And I really love your show, Craig. I, I but I really do need to know um, for my own peace of mind and perhaps yours if you're gay are you gay? I always like to know when when someone's gay and I forget I asked this if it's uncomfortable for you um, but it's an uncomfortable world so you should be ready to be uncomfortable we're talking a little bit about uh, what it's like in a film set so how important it is to be like a team player in all of the projects that you work in like diva attitudes how do those fit in well i mean i've worked with some pretty difficult people um yeah. in film and you know over the years i've seen them be difficult with other people let's just okay, put it that way sure. but no one really like fucks around with me because i can just make you look like shit <laughs> yeah do you know yeah, what i mean yeah. like people are real nice to me and i mean especially like because you have to get that right person that's going to be in your face all day like in the morning and at night like and not like hate them you know what i mean yeah, and exactly. I've, I've seen so many people fired around me like almost like i'm the only one left I've I've worked on some very crazy fraught film sets. Yeah, but um, you know, all good, all great. Like yeah. learning s- so much, and um, yeah, I just one of my favorite movies, and not like it's very scandal ridden. Um, was the hardest deceitful above all things, which is J. Do you know J. T. Leroy, the, oh, yes. the famous yeah, writer? Yeah. Laura Albert is the writer. Is a very good friend of mine. And they just did a movie with Laura Dern and Kristen Stewart. Oh, yeah. uh, a yet to release episode is with uh, Justin Kelly, the director, and Savannah. Okay, well, Savannah, I used to do her wigs um, way back in the day. For, uh, for the JT, JT Leroy. For, oh, wow, that's I amazing. I made all the wigs for <laughs> JT Leroy. But um, I still have some of those wigs, actually. But I did also did, I, and I didn't know. I was completely clueless. I, I mean, like, literally didn't know until like very, very end. So wait, what were you told was the... I just told Savannah wrote the books and Laura Albert, who's... Laura is still a very, very good friend of mine, actually. Uh-huh. The woman who actually wrote the book. Sure. And I mean, I, you know, everyone's fine. I mean, I'm not like mad or anything, but, um, and a lot of people were really angry that weren't even involved. And I felt like I had more of a right to be angry than anyone. But in the end, I didn't let that take over. And, um, you know, I have a really good friend, my friend Laura, but, um, who, that, who would go under the name Speedy as her Speedy, as the manager, yep, right? Speedy, English, British. And Speedy has had such a transformation physically too. Like Lara's like body, everything. Mean, she just looks like a, you know, it's like she, she's a, she's a shapeshifter or something. Sure. She's a, she's a special person. But, um, that movie was directed by and starred Asia Argento. Oh, yes, and, that's right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, Oh, so and, you worked on that? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did Asia's makeup and makeup and wigs for that whole movie. And to be honest, like she has like as many hair and makeup changes as Hedwig. Okay, and that yeah. she changes so many. She plays like a you know a druggie, a waitress, a you know a hooker, a 
a Bible lady. Her husband was Marilyn Manson in it, and mm. Peter Fonda is in that movie, and Winona Ryder, insane. Yeah. And that movie was that was a really crazy film set. And I look back, and I'm like, how did I like survive? You know? Sure. Ben Foster, Michael Pitt, like. And everyone like was in Knoxville, Tennessee. No one like left. Everyone just stayed and was like partying. It was it was fun. It was crazy. But yeah, the JT Leroy, that's one of my that's one of my many clients. <laughs> that's a pretty interesting one. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> but you weren't mad when you found out what the, the game I was, was like my feelings were hurt. And you know, it's funny because like I I it was funny because my friends were like, Well, it's like your friend like died or something. I'm like, no, it's like my friend didn't exist actually. But I yeah. mean, you know, in the end, I got what it was. I mean, it was like, you know, I get, like, I, I know Laura's side of the story and she's not apologetic about it because, you know, she was in a group home, like yeah. literally up the street from here when she was a yeah. teenager and like dealing with identity and like, um, you know, abuse and, um, things that ring true in that movie and that story. And even if like she made it up completely as a work of fiction and had no connection to it, which is not true. She does have a connection to it right. because of, of her past. And that's what everyone said. Oh, you just created this character and you exploited all these, the HIV world and stuff like that. It's bullshit. Um, but anyway, um, I, uh, I feel like, um, I don't know, know what the point was. Oh, it's just, I think your feelings on the, Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I was shocked. And sure. I, mean, I think to this day, so many people are like, I knew, I don't know how you didn't know. I'm like, okay, well, that, that's, you know, believe whatever believe you for want. you, yeah. I mean, yeah. great. I mean, I, you know, I happen to, you know, have been right in there with them. And I mean, and I didn't know. But yeah. You know who played Ozzy's mother in that movie? Who? Ornala Muti. And she was the princess in Flash Gordon. <gasps> wow. Yeah. And she came to Knoxville, Tennessee, like, what the fuck? fuck is going on she's like very famous in italy yeah and she didn't um she, beautiful face too and she didn't talk to anybody but she asked me one day if i'd have lunch with her and so yeah. i sat down and then i just ate with her every day but um ozzy is very outspoken uh, yeah. <laughs> right right do you know a lot about her, her father's dario or oh, Gento? Yeah. yeah yeah her Absolutely. mother wrote suspiria yeah and then was almost not credited daria argento i i met her mom before. oh yeah daria and uh nicolidi right her yeah non-married name you, you met yeah. you met her yeah wow mm -hmm. was she on the set of no i met her in um where did i meet her i can't remember and peter fonda wow that must have been a trip too. What was he like? Full set of Louis Vuitton, reeked of weed. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly yeah. what you'd expect. <laughs> Smelled like pot and had all this great luggage and real nice. He wouldn't, I remember he wouldn't slap one of the children in the movie. Ozzy wanted him to slap a kid across <laughs> the face. And, um, Peter was like, I won't do that. I refuse. And, um, so I, she's like, you need to make up the man's, the devil's hand to look like Peter's hands. And so I was like in this painting, like these aged spots on someone's yeah. hand. And Peter comes in and he goes, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm matching your hands. He's like, my hands don't look like that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was fun. It was good. It was it was just crazy in like retrospect because yeah, it's sure. such a wild story. I mean, wild enough that they made that movie. Yeah. Did and, you see the movie? Mm -mm, no. I mean, they, but there's a documentary that Laura did a couple years ago called yeah. Author of the JT Leroy. It's interesting, like the many versions of that story. Well, yeah, it is. Yeah. Because yeah. It, the story itself is so. Yeah bizarre and yeah. it touched so many people you have to get back at five i'm fine i'm okay can, yeah. okay cool I, I wanted to ask uh what you would say to anyone who's moving to the city and who's younger wants to pursue a career not necessarily exactly like yours but one that doesn't have say a guidebook to it well i had none i mean my career is like a happen of chance and i'm lucky i've met the right people and like i'm one of those people that like 
people like to be around. I don't know. And like, are, you know, like I'm good with, you know, I'm good with in, in the entertainment industry. I'm good with yeah. those kinds of people. I would say if you're young and you're not used to living with a ton of people, you better get used to it. Because if you come to New York, unless you have a ton of money, like you yeah. are, you're gonna have to figure it out. Um, because it's a different if, place now. If you're right? rich, good yeah. for you. You'll yeah. be fine. But um, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't. I've never been like a. If, I have a lot of friends that have a lot of money, and like I've never like. I think it's if you're rich and it's fine. And most of the people I know that are rich are really really hard workers. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But um. I think you need to work for free a lot, which sucks. Mm. And like, I, I just know so many people that are like, yeah, I got to get paid. And I'm like, well, then you're gonna not going to do the good stuff because I'll tell you this right now. And that sucks. And you have to get like 20 jobs. But every single thing in my book portfolio and everything that anybody knows that I've done, I basically didn't make any money from. Mm. And anything that like paid my rent and bought my clothes and trips or whatever was shit that you'll never know I did. Do you know what I mean? Sure, like yeah. some rotten commercial for a, you know, pharmaceutical. I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like, it's true. And like, I mean, so many people think that, you know, their art's being taken away from them unless they get money for it. And I'm like, you can't quantify it. And to be honest, like, whenever I see like a really bad Hedwig or like a 50 Hedwigs at Halloween, it makes me so happy. Yeah. I'm like, it's an homage. It's not like, I don't feel like I'm being ripped off or like my art's being taken away from me. I have a million other ideas, but you just have to like, you have to kind of like, you have to embrace like these characters and these people and you've got to like help them get to where they're going as a group, but you've got to find that person. And I got to be honest, like, I don't, I, I could easily have not done Hedwig and like would have had a completely different career and life. I mean, but I mean, and probably a more stable life. Do you know what I mean? Uh -huh. Like a more normal, like working in a makeup <laughs> at, at a company or like, yeah, you know, sure. in a store. I mean, like, I don't know, but I mean, it's the entertainment industry is hard, man. It's like a tough, tough scene. Yeah. I work also in fashion and that's, whew, I mean, the, Equally. The, the teenage models that are just tortured and like just the shit I've seen. It's, I mean, it's like not easy. You just have to like, you have to be tough and, um, you have to be talented or you'll be like excused. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I do. I do. And also you have to have the tenacity of, uh, of following whatever it is you're, you have to show. I mean, I'm always like, I've never been late for work ever in my whole life, except for maybe if the subway broke down or like maybe like three times in my life, I've been late. Unforeseen circumstances. For, well, you were 10 minutes early today. I know. <laughs> and your previous guest was an hour late <laughs> he's like a real rock star so i get it it's yeah. <laughs> he did bring lunch over though which was nice he did what did he bring uh chicken salad sandwich for me and uh but i offered to cover it because i was appreciative of uh oh that's nice yeah and uh casey's so nice casey's lovely yeah he's he's one of those ones he's he's had a lot of um he's many, had many versions of himself and they're all enjoyable and all mm -hmm. like good you know what i mean yeah i think i saw him like a couple of years ago, like right in my neighborhood, walking down the street, and I was like, "Hi, Casey!" And he was like, "All seventies porn with like long oh, hair and a right. stash, yeah, like fully, like full on." And I was like, "Nice." It was like you know, it was like Maplethorpe's like dream or something. <laughs> and now he's like rocking his um his um, presidential campaign presidential uh, um, workout uh, wear. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those see through shorts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's so funny. <laughs> that's good stuff. Well, any closing thoughts? 
Anything you'd like to add um, to before we go? I don't know. I'm really bad at closing thoughts, but you know, it's so funny. Whenever I do interviews, like I always get the last line. Like if you watch the documentary on the Criterion, yeah. last line's me. If you watch the documentary um, on the original Hedwig documentary. That's the one I've seen. Last one. Yeah. I'm like Hedwig's uh, animatronic penis, last line. John's <laughs> interview with New York Times for Broadway, last sentence, me. <laughs> Neil Pat, every time, last line. Um, I don't, I don't have a last line for you. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I just think, um, keep it up and, um, I don't know. Yeah. This is the most lackluster last line ever. <laughs> keep it up. It's, you're doing fine. Keep it up. You're doing great out there. <laughs> don't get triggered so easily. Um, yeah. you know, love the people around you. Um, get off your phone yeah. so much and make contact with real people physically, like, in person, you know what I mean? I feel like people don't do that anymore, and it's kind of depressing. I think being open to actually talking to people in environments where you don't know people is a really great thing that sometimes we forget how to do. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I stopped hanging out with people that, like, literally, like, ignore me for their phone, and I'm like, I have no time for that. Like, I got a million other people I can hang out with that'll actually look at me and, like, speak to me in person. But um, I get it. That's what the kids do today. They like live on their phones and I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. I mean, I'll have times where I'll look and I'll be on like Instagram for four hours and I'm like, what yeah. am I doing with my life? But I try like, I try really hard to like not do that as much. I try to be out like the, out in the streets. I'm a street kid in New York. I love, uh-huh. I love being out in the streets. I ride my bike everywhere and I like love New York City. I can't imagine living here, but I will tell you, like on major events, I won't leave my house. Like Gay Pride, not left, did not leave my house. Uh-huh. Fourth of July will not leave my house. New Year's <laughs> Eve will not leave my house. Like I'm like stay in your house on those days. Yeah. But um, it's 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 a little daunting, you know, when when you do that. But um, I, I I love being in the streets of New York and being out amongst the people. It's such a great town to live in and to get to make your dreams come true. You know what I mean? Sure. Some people say that New York is prohibitive. Now, because of the cost to being a young artist. So expensive. New York's not for everyone. It's a very tough town to live in price-wise. Like I said, like I'm only able to live here because I've been in the same apartment for 20 years. Right. But I mean, you know, I mean, it's, I, I, I admire anyone that comes. I just see so many people come and then leave running and go sure. to LA or wherever where it's a little easier to live. I love LA. But I don't love driving. I don't love the traffic. And um, I've always had like this charmed existence, like living in a house with a pool or in a fancy hotel. Like, I don't know what it's like to really have to like live and make it in LA. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, I always stay in like a mansion or like somewhere (laughs) like that's, you know, like I can, you know, like Hollywood or whatever. But, um, so it's best to visit for you. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't want to like live in like a one bedroom and like have to like drive my like, you know, crappy car, like, you know, wherever I had to go to work. I, yeah, I, I can't. Like, I look, I'm a New Yorker. Yeah. Yeah, but I love LA. Don't get me wrong. I love, love, love. And I have so many amazing friends in California. Mm-hmm. Like, half my friends are from, live in LA. Yeah. So funny thing though, when people say, like, oh, it chews you up and spits you out, I always think there's a sort of an absence of constitution in the person. Oh, uh, yeah. But they say the same thing about New York. And it's like, well, what are you there for? Do you think in a year you're going to make a hundred grand and all this? Like, oh, it yeah, takes time. Oh, yeah, the kids today want, like, it immediately. I've, like, I've had so many assistants over the years that, like, don't get why they're not like me in, like, six months. And I'm like, yeah, I've, you know how many, how, I don't even tell you how old I am. But, like, <laughs> although Rolling Stone once called me a middle-aged, um... <laughs> in an article with Neil Patrick Harris because the guy was kept asking me my age and I wouldn't tell him. 
Yeah. And so when the article came out, it was like Mike Potter, a middle-aged blonde whatever and i was like <gasps> and neil was like rolling around laughing so hard he thought that was the funniest thing he'd ever read and i was like that is so annoying he's like you should have told him how old you were i'm like i'm not telling him because i don't want anyone to know forever how old I am. <laughs> but yeah i mean the, you know the kids today but like you know I, I it's funny because i do come across ones every once in a while that like that have worked for me i had an intern last summer it was like the 16 year old girl and she was like really good and she was smart and she fixed my phone and my computer and like yeah. did a bunch of shit that i couldn't do yeah you know what i mean so i mean everyone's got their thing but i think that definitely like there's like instant fame and so many people that do nothing and are have like a zillion, like fifty thousand times more instagram followers than me i don't have any instagram followers but like i also like I don't really, like, care about that kind of stuff. Sure. Like, I don't do the right thing to, like, get likes and stuff. I don't do things for likes. Although, I was, I get really upset when I don't get likes or, like... I think everyone does. It's so stupid, though. I hate that I feel that way. I know. But it's, you know... It makes me really upset about myself. But, you know, at least I'm still keeping up with the times. I mean, God, I remember we didn't even have cell phones. I remember when the internet was invented. (laughs) I was in college when the internet was invented. And I was like, what is that? What is email? Like, I didn't know what email was. Yeah. Keep up with the times. That's what I want to say. Sure. And where can people find you on Instagram? P-O-T-T-28 at Instagram. Um, That's it. Are you on Twitter? No. Mm -hmm. I mean, people tweet me all the time. And, like, I been trended on twitter but like i never like saw it my friends were like you're on twitter today and i'm like i am like i don't like i I, no (laughs) i think the last tweet i did was god so many years ago five years ago and um, i was at the oscars with karen o and spike jones and i think i was like i'm at the oscars i'm like stupid and that was my last tweet i'd have to look online i guess you could probably look it up and find out yeah we'll we'll check it out later on sure it's embarrassing (laughs) and braggadocious (laughs) (laughs) but that's what twitter's for yeah i mean i just i don't get I, i just don't think people are that interested in what i'm doing to be on twitter you know like i like images and like posting just images of my work yeah sure i mean you know i'm not like you won't see a gym selfie, an obligatory gym selfie. I was just watching Katya and um oh yeah and um and Trixie Mattel yeah. and uh they were talking about like she's like you know what I hate worse than a um than a, a gym selfie is when they call it an obligatory gym selfie. <laughs> it's like you're just trash. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you watch Drag Race? I don't, but I love Willem. <laughs> yeah, Willem's great. Yeah, I Willem came to back to see me the other night at um at um. John, town hall uh, yeah town hall yeah yeah um you know i i don't watch dra- drag race i have my favorites from drag race sure, who are they i love trixie mattel i love willem i love um oh god um katya of course yeah katya absolutely she's best hair ever um done so, by fina barbital most of the time yeah oh is that true yeah oh yeah yeah she always has like the best like bubble bangs on her wigs fina barbital does wigs and wigs by vanity of course vanity does a lot oh yeah yeah, yeah. see i it's so funny, like, I'm, I feel really bad that I don't watch Drag Race, and like, well, I, well, I mean, you know, I just, I, I don't, like, I mean, you know, I, you got the Cascadeers to watch. I love, I love, um, I love drag, and I like, I, I definitely feel like drag is like so next level now, though. Uh-huh. I mean, like, you better be on your game. If you want to be a drag queen, you better be like a super business person, an amazing makeup artist, have great style, talented. You gotta be like a real, and luckily, finally, they're getting rich and making money and yeah. have like a ton of followers because for years, all the queens I knew made 50 bucks. Do you know what I mean? Sure. A hundred bucks. Thank God. God bless them all. If that's, I'm not yeah. mad at any of that. I'm so happy. That makes me very, very happy. 
Well, Mike, thank you so much. Thank you for joining me. On it was this. fun. I had a good time. Good, me too. I had a terrific yeah. time. Yeah, and uh, we'll hopefully do it again sometime. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you come out to LA, and we'll do one with Devin Green. Oh my God, I would die. <laughs> I love Devin Green. She's so good. <laughs> For more, head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. Join Hot Dog Club. And don't just slide on into the Thunderbuds of Hot Dog Club, but also unlock an ocean of exclusive content.